Hi, and welcome to the Silverline Podcast, an audio version pulled from the video stream we do a couple of times a week. My name is Roland Mann, and I'm the head honcho at Silverline, where we have a great time making fun comics that we think you'll enjoy. This episode is titled, Our Favorite Indie Comics. It originally aired September 30th, 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silverline Wednesday Night Wham! Hosted by Scott Wakefield! Hello, everyone! It is Silverline's Wednesday Wham! Thank you for joining us. I'm your host tonight, and my job is to wrangle the crazies. We are going to discuss uh, our favorite and the top independent comic books and graphic novels and as usual we will stay strictly on topic never diverting left or right we will discuss them at length with astuteness and an acumen not found anywhere else on the interwebs how about those words those maybe sound smart huh? I, I gotta look them up hold on yes <laughs> no a state we're gonna Acumen, we'll that's the one with the noodle, the needles. The, the acumen. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> acumen. Acumen. That's good acumen. Thank you. I'm still on the astuteness one. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> so tonight we will be discussing that topic. Um, Tommy, can you enlighten us what the EF graphics color version is? Uh it's the the very first um cat and mouse book that was published through EF graphics. It was a it was a color book, and before it went to to Malibu in a cell, uh, but um, yeah. So there's there was I don't remember how many they printed. I've got one, but uh, um, yeah, that's so that's what it is. It's the, the very first black and white cat and mouse book by Malibu was actually a color book. <laughs> so and so. Uh, I, yeah, so then we're not going to the Kablam's not going to print it, but um, they're they're give, they're going to do a PDF version of it, a digital version. Plus, I think Roland's going to he Roland kept all of his uh, scripts and stuff where he, I think he hand wrote the first issue. Hand yeah, and so he's going to yeah. scan all that in so everybody can laugh at him and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can talk about about him because I think he's on another podcast yeah, he's, now. Yeah. He's on another stream, so he can, he's not he's not watching. So let's, let's talk about it. pretty funny. He talked about that on Sunday Funnies. He act, on the podcast we interview we did on Sunday. He actually had them in hand, like as if to prove to the world. Yes, he wrote his scripts longhand. Yes. Like, he predated technology. I'm fairly certain typewriters were around by then, but I didn't want to say anything. No. Yeah, he's, he can, and he keeps all that stuff. Okay. He's got... Uh, yeah, he's got a quill and he dips it into the <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, he's even got some books that uh, that he did when he was like a a, a little guy, a little man. I uh, get it, rolling man, little man. And uh, yeah, so and he's he saved. He's got all that stuff too. He's he saved. He saved everything. It's pretty pretty cool. It's gonna be gonna be worth with zillions. Raise your hand if you want to go first, because I want to start this discussion, this chat about uh, how do we define independent comics? 
Who who has an idea? I everybody talked at once. Let's say I think uh, the way I approach it and my straightforward is as long as the uh, property is independently owned, kind of regardless of publisher, if the original creator still owns the rights to the property, it's their independent project. So hmm. creator, hmm. creator creator owned. owned is, yep. Yep. Okay. That seems that's good. I, 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 I that yeah, I don't think there's. I can't think of anything that would really contradict that or really add to that. I think. That's actually really <laughs> <good definition. laughs> Excellent. So when? Then, okay. That's it. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. With a few exceptions, it also encompasses kind of a zeitgeist. Yeah. We are not about um, straight up uh, licensed superhero action. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we do have superheroes, they are not, um, the stories are not mainstream. Right. So. You're, um, you're not seeing your soups or your X Men. You're seeing uh, Invincible, right? Yeah. And Invincible is a superhero book, but you would never see anything like it in Marvel. Not really. And I, I think Marvel and DC both are trying to shake up their game for, mm-hmm. I would say, for a new audience. But I think they're trying to maintain their old audience, and but- that's fine. But yep. would you think of like uh, the the Walking Dead comic book as an independent comic book? I mean, I guess sort of, kind of. Well, but I, it I was. Kinda, the, I don't. Well, I thought it was uh, it was indie, and then it just uh, suffered from being too popular, and so that now it's, yeah. now it's everywhere. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Does independent is independent synonymous with unpopular? Small press, small but publish? yeah, small yeah. press. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. I think I think it can also mean small presser, but it's I think. Um, even like indie movies, some of them just do so well they blow up. Yeah. So like the same thing that happened with a indie, the good indie uh, comic is that, given the right numbers of, um, quality timing and just random luck in the market, it can blow up as well. Was uh wasn't uh, Karate Kid an independent movie? Yeah. I know it was a sleeper, Fred? but was it? Was I don't it kind think of... so. No, no, I think there was the yeah. No, they had the. Who was I forget who what the 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 the, the people behind it knows that it was a major motion picture, wasn't it? Mm. It was just kind of I small. Was, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a really popular independent film recently, and I'm I wasn't prepared. It's all right. But I also have the so problem where all all movies are also Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, are we talking about like books that are that are non Marvel, DC, Image? I think. Well, you know, even Image though, uh, like it's it's uh, Image is creator owned, whereas Dark Horse isn't. So you can have an Image book that, like Curse Words, where it's good, but doesn't get any traction because it's all up to the creator to do yeah. all the marketing. Yeah. Hmm. Image, yeah, they still I, have I, to I, do their. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I read. I mean, somebody put it like you just said the definition is pretty much if it's not marvel or dc and then what it, image dark horse yeah yeah no uh, i wouldn't consider it dark horse too indie because they're uh, they're not creator owned um same yeah. with uh, eighty two thousand. um all of stuff the submitted there is owned by the company <laughs> so you just you just do work for hire yeah. you're not actually creating your own right. creator owned idea 
So you you still would throw like Spawn and and Savage Dragon and all that kind of stuff as an independent comic book. Because uh, yeah, go, oh, oh. yeah. I mean, by your definition, I guess it would would be yeah. Because right? I mean, they've had the same creator this entire time, or at least and he, yeah. they still own it. Yeah, right? well, like, well, Eric I mean, Larson ever has he ever has anyone besides Eric Larson ever done Savage Dragon? I'm just I don't believe so. No, not yeah. the main book. No, he's more no. Savage Dragon. Yeah, been in other books, but yeah. So technically, it would be an independent book. Yeah, because he's doing his own book, right? I would agree. I yeah. mean, really. But and see, it's kind of like when you talk about The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead is, yeah, it's published under Image, but it's also, uh, what's the studio's name? Skybound. Mm-hmm. Skybound, yeah. Right. Which does other things, too. And I don't think Skybound as a studio is really big enough to go be outside of being called an independent studio in itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, uh, Image kind of seems like it does if it's not its own proprietary title, just aggregate smaller publishers. Yeah. Yeah, shadow line, uh, yeah. things of that nature. So then, where where does the point come where uh, they get too popular, and then you know they oh you're a sellout? Is there is that they, <laughs> they, where's that line? Where's that line? Do they stop becoming independent, or are they just really popular independent, and they're not they're not corporate hacks anymore, or, mm-hmm. or are they? I would I, love to have that problem, by the way. Yeah, that would be a great problem to have, yeah. You're a hack and a sellout. You've made millions on the backs of real creators, to which I would say, yeah. I'm going to go buy another car yeah. now. I'll see you guys later. Did you sign your checks? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Well, it's so hard to say because, I mean, at the heart of things – a comic book creator wants one thing more than anything else. He wants people or her. They want someone to read their books and enjoy them. They want lots of people to read their books and enjoy mm-hmm. them. If you if you don't want that, then frankly, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? I mean, yeah. why would you even be doing a comic book? You would just be happy to write, draw it yourself throw it in a drawer and maybe give it to your parents at Christmas time. I have no idea what you would do with that, but no, because creators instinctively want an audience and that's a good thing. They have ideas, they have stories. They just really want to share. It's the drive that makes them do it all. So why would you punish someone for doing it so well that they got a lot of people to do it? That's crazy. That's a crazy, awesome problem to have. So, Right. Right. And, and well, it is I, a lot I of work, so it is it is yeah. nice when people get to other people appreciate yep. the the stuff you do, even if it may be a smaller group because you know it's not a yeah. a big selling title, but at least uh, somebody's checking it out and liking it. I think, fun. yeah, I think uh, when I was uh, thinking of movies, I think kind of a uh, to kind of translate well to what uh, to, to the film kind of discussion we're having. Cloud Atlas with Tom Hanks mm-hmm. is an independent movie. It's distributed no, by Warner Bros. Ever, I believe. <laughs> but it's produced by Tom Hanks. That's uh it there's no big overture company actually handling the production of it. It's just distributed through someone else. Which is what happens to all these creator owned titles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I think the biggest complaint that like that people have or at least maybe that I perceive would be is that transition from like if you you can say you're independent and you're not beholden to anybody, but 
if you do make it big, then yeah, you've got all those people that now are putting in their two cents. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you can, if you can hold on to your, your product and, and it, it, it makes it in front of the millions yeah, yeah. without being watered down. That's great. But very often is everybody comes in and has to put their two cents in and then it's no longer mm. what it was. And your original fans, your diehards at the beginning, that's where they say, Oh, you, you gave in, you gave up your project. And I, I, I can see that. Uh, yeah. When's well, longer just the, the, the creator's idea. Yeah. 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 It is funny uh, how rabid fans can get about something to the point where they feel they have the right to speak into it. Right. Like, uh, I think it's the George Lucas syndrome. Yeah. But um, what? at the end of the day, <laughs> who can ever say you watered down your message? Uh, I mean, I suppose it is obvious to some people, but at the end of the day, really, the artist has one person that he or she has to be beholden to, and that's her, him or herself. Yeah, and um, there are some artists who are eventually going to get around to saying a message that people might not like, and then at the end of the day, they have to ask, "Was I still speaking the truth?" Stephen King says something I think is actually profound. He says, "A a writer, and I think you'd probably say artist by extension, their one job is to tell the truth, and if you." Uh, are working on something and calling it your own, you do kind of have an obligation, not just to yourself, but to the people who are going to read it. They're going to see an unfiltered look at what you think about whatever it is you're writing on. Mm -hmm. And if you have any other motivation, like you want to sell a lot of books or you want to get sponsors or whatever, that's something that you're going to have to square with. Um, and eventually can come down, come down on you pretty hard, especially if you do get fans who are going to suddenly start pushing you to um, to take their demands seriously. And if you have a if you have a precedent for doing that already, then suddenly your work's just not going to be terribly noteworthy or relevant. How could it be? It was written. Yeah, by I, <laughs> I I wonder how how is it. When, when you have a, a, a story in a written form or, or, or you know, sequential art form and it's, it's incomplete and then gets made into a, a film, mm -hmm. how do you turn off the – how does J, the J.K. Rowling or uh, uh, Game of Thrones yeah. – um, when, when we get to yeah. when we get to like if we talk about individual picks, I got the the perfect example for that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering how do you how do you stop thinking? Okay, my book. You know it. My book is going to be made into a movie. How mm -hmm. do you stop writing it to fit? Yeah. To be fit the movie, and that's got to be difficult to to stay true to either your your original intentions or your outline or maybe maybe you didn't know where the story is going and it got picked up to be turned into a film uh, that's got to be difficult and 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 know that i'm going to write this this will not fit and they're going to change it for the film i don't know maybe maybe when you're writing and you're sitting on a pile of money you don't care mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know yeah. I, again friend all of us i'd love to have that problem i'd love to struggle really struggle with that <laughs> yeah yeah well in jk rowling's um, situation that's easy she basically I think just demanded to be an executive producer which probably meant that she got to green light and everything across her desk yep. yeah she had the power to do so if she didn't like something she just said you can't put that in the movie because 
It's come, uh, that something that comes up in later on in one of the other books. Right. The reason right. that she was yeah. able to pull that off is because the books were so popular, yeah. so ahead of the series being finished. And it, had they been finished before, she wouldn't have had to say one way or another. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have let her. Yep. The, the author of World War Z, and I, I wish I knew his name, but when they made the movie, he said, there, there are three similarities between my book and the movie. The word word world the word war and the letter Z. <laughs> Max. Which, yeah, because that was a bunch of little short story kind exactly. of, uh, yeah. Yeah, Which, and the audio of stories, they were more like Mark description. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There wasn't really stories. It was little, little short, little but, essays kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like accounts of this yeah. new world. And it was a lot of fun. But what's they were. That's a great example. That is a really good example. What's funny is World War Z has like six credited screenwriters, which usually means it's going to be a train wreck. Yeah. But in this case, it was good. And part of the reason is because the people who ultimately made the decision realized that this thing in its essence is unfilmable, but we can yeah. make it filmable by taking it and making it a movie. As opposed to, you know, in the past we were talking about why do certain comic book uh uh, translations not work and the reason is because it would adhere too closely to the comic in which case mm -hmm. that's bad but if you can make it your own as a film and that's what they did for world war z so why are we talking about this again what was the point? <laughs> <laughs> thinking about we, we went all the way back from uh giving up your independence possibly for large sums of money I, and 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 then losing control of your your project and then possibly losing your original from day one rabid fans mm -hmm. and uh keeping them happy but while possibly making lots of money <laughs> i was just reading an article here that made the statement that an independent studio is one that's not owned by a bigger corporation Mm. Uh, like image is not own image is, is self-contained dark horse is also self-contained so those are considered independent companies and uh, and everybody does have creator own rights but when you have like idw and valiant they're owned by a bigger corporation so they're not yeah. indie they're just a subsidiary of a, a bigger company mm. so i'm gonna take my idw books and put them over here who no. owns idw uh, idea and design or something. I, I, they said who it was. I didn't know. It was a company I don't know anything about. Oh, I don't think they're going to own it for very much longer. But doesn't AT and T own DC? Does that mean DC is an independent group? Uh, AT and T owns no. Warner Bros. Owns DC. Oh, there you go. Yeah. No, that means they are not independent. Yeah. <laughs> at all. So then, uh. Someone define for me alternative comics. Is that still a term we use? Or I know underground is probably an old term because that's usually the beginning of something that's contrary or an alternative. And then underground kind of becomes above ground uh, once it becomes popular. I think um, at that point, that's pretty much just like one or two people direct from hand to consumer, like old school zines. Uh, uh, Schlock Space Mercenary by Howard Taylor, uh, I think would be one of those. He, it's just one dude who does a date. I think it was a daily comic strip that it would get collected into twenty-two page issues that get collected into like reviews. But every day you got three panels of a comic the company and updated 
for hmm. 20 years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's dedication right there. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that would be alternative. I'd say it'd be alternative or underground because it's literally just one dude direct to consumer. No, okay. nothing at all uh, in terms of okay. oversight. Interesting. Because I never knew what to, what was alternative rock or uh, alternative music. Like, it's just, it's, it's funny because it's just another term, like with, with movies, independent movies, and then they became a genre. Right. And it, it's it, like, uh, what was the studio that did all the, um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and, yeah. um, what was that and then they, uh, yeah, yeah, they kind of became mainstream, but independent. And then, I mean, like, um, now, oh my nowadays, uh, if you want to create an independent movie, you have to submit to A twenty four. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. they're they're uh, they're essentially like, if you make a movie and it's halfway decent at festival, they will buy it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then, yeah. No, is it no longer independent? I don't. It's it's funny. Like, yeah. you, where, where's the who who says? Uh, I think what if it gets made independently of the studio, it's right? Not, it's an independent film. Okay. But if it gets picked up and mm-hmm. then like if they purchase your script and they have to work go through like film by committee, yeah. as opposed yeah. to buying the film outright after it's been made. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Like, isn't that what kind of like what Sundance right. in Kansas? Yeah, Sundance and Kansas are kind of two big ones. And, um, even Orlando Film Festival is pretty big, but you have the uh, as a film writer, you can submit a script for a pet review at the panel, or you can submit a full like full film for one of the categories. And either one has an option of being picked up by somebody, but because um, it looks, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, what? sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> But yeah. that it just came to mind. Clerks. Clerks was an independent. Yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you right. go. Good Which example. is probably a good example, uh, proof of concept. Basically, Kevin Smith didn't ask someone for money to make it. He made it himself. Yep. And when he made the film, he not he then distributed it himself. Which is to say, he showed it everywhere until finally he found someone who was willing to back it its distribution himself. And that's how it got seen by people that is what an independent like like i can write a script and send it to a contest mm-hmm. or send it to some executive they won't look at it but if i write a script get my friends to shoot it and we just uh start getting it into festivals or uh crazy luck get it into sundance where all they do over there is buy stuff like that and yeah. maybe netflix approaches me and says we'll give you this deal if you'll let us have you know license your film and that's how that's how it works that's that's pretty much that's there's no question that's independent so Hmm. yeah yeah, those those are those are the clear clear cut that's good yeah so who has uh who wants to start us with an example of an independent comic or graphic novel um that that they've enjoyed uh, I uh, kind of talked about this, but I had um, it goes into what we were talking about in terms of getting bloated into a movie. 
but I had just recently gone through and reread Wanted by Mark Miller, uh, published through uh, Top Count Image. Uh, and that was part of Miller's self-contained universe called Millerverse, which is also everything that Mark Miller writes, he puts into this one universe, and it's all his property. So he created... Millerverse or Miller World? Or is Miller World something that came later? I think, I'm not sure. Miller Miller Time? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb. Stupid, don't laugh. I think think it was, I'm not sure it might be Miller World. Either way, but it's it's Mark Miller's um, projects. Um... And it's a really weird, different take on supervillains um, in a post-superhero world. Uh, and very violent, very bloody, very not appropriate for a mainstream publisher. <laughs> uh, but he had a, ver- he had a very um, intentional point he wanted to make with all that. It comes in at the end. And I think that happens a lot more with indie comics than with the bigger um, publishers is because you can write, say, I want this comic to only be six issues, therefore it is only six issues that I don't need to worry about next year's run or getting picked up for um, another volume. Uh, He can just decide that it's going to be six issues, this is the point I want to make at the end of it, and it's going to be all contained here. Um, And it's it's a fun time. It's great. Uh, And then when they got turned into a movie... (laughs) With James McAvoy, it was not the same story. <laughs> really? Oh, the, the the graphic novel. The graphic novel is about superheroes and supervillains. Because I watched the movie, I never read the. Yeah, I didn't know it was based yes. on a graphic novel. But I, I mean, actually, I enjoyed the movie. I, I mean, the movie is still so a fun, fun time. But, but yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I gotta read it now. Curving the bullet. Yeah, curving the bolt was never yeah, mentioned in. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> in in the book, Wesley Gibson um, is known as a killer, and his superpower is he can just kill anything. That's his superpower; he, he can just kill anything. Uh, so basically, all they did was just get the name, and uh, pretty much, yeah, they got the name, name and the yeah. the basic concept of the fraternity. Um, and they, they, I guess, they had plans to kind of do more with supervillain stuff, and like in the background. Uh, but it was, it very much felt filmed by committee. Like, okay, none of this would work in a film. How do we make this appropriate for the mainstream audience? Whereas, um, if you read the the project that is just Mark Miller's writing, uh, I, forget, I feel bad not saying the artist's name, but I forgot his name. Um, but it's, it's very much appropriate just for fans of that medium. Uh, I'm lo- I'm looking up the the movie as yeah. well as 2008. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I never saw it. At... But uh, even though it's through Image and became a movie, that's st- in my opinion, that's still an intimate comic because that was it's creator owned. It's owned by Mark Miller, and it was his. Right. Um, oh, JG Jones. JG Jones did the art, and it was him and JG just working through it the entire way through. No one else could touch touch on it until it went off to a publisher. And it is Miller World. 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 Thank you. Yep. Huh. So, um, 
what is, I don't want to put you on the spot to, to have to think too much about it. Um, but was it because it was just open and shut done story done? Is that what appealed to you? Uh, it was the, um, I'm a fan of anything that's, uh, super violent. I like the John Wick movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh but also uh that the fact that it was a um different take on supervillains um uh, and the fact that it was just uh i wrote it over a weekend but if someone like had a free afternoon and just wanted to read it uh i appreciate a good graphic novel that you can sit down and read over the course of an afternoon um there's, I, I believe, entertainment and bloat is something that's very real. Um, is and comics and video games, especially right now. The creator of Punisher talked out about this, where if they want it, if uh, the bigger publishers want to boost their sales a lot, they just consolidate to like one running title for each team. So you wouldn't have a lot to do uh, because when you look at the people buying it. Um, you do have your kids, whatever, but the most majority of sales in comics and games are people in their twenties, thirties, and we're all working jobs. Yeah, I don't have time to sink another hundred fifty hours into Witcher three. Right. right. <laughs> huh. Yeah, sounds about right. Huh. I like that. All right. Uh, go ahead. Did someone else have a question? I didn't. Okay. Uh, who's who's got another example? Give us a give us a, a graphic novel or uh, independent comic book that you have enjoyed and uh, and why. Any, I'll any go. Go ahead. Um, I might have talked about it before, but I loved Lock and Key. Mm. We established if IDW was was independent. Is that okay for me to say lock and key? I believe lock actually and key. we established that wasn't uh, <clears throat> independent. <laughs> but but I like lock and we'll key. I, I feel like he independently wrote that, so we'll allow it. Because <laughs> yeah, I think because I think it was Joe yeah. Hill, and I believe he pitched them the finished comic. Well, I think he still has creative rights on it anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's Joe Hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He did walk on to the uh, last episode of the show too, so I guess he's in there somewhere. But anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and part of the reason I actually the large, the hugest reason was, and this is what I think ha- is why independent comics has so much going for it is because it was very character driven, mm. and this is always a question that. Um, creators are faced with when they're going to start a new project a lot of people say is it going to be character driven or is it going to be plot driven and i believe that the one of the problems that mainstream comics have to deal with is their the licensed characters have been are so well known to their audience that the creators don't have a lot of places they can take them anymore therefore the only thing they can do is start throwing new scenarios at them and uh, n- new problems and new girlfriends or this or that. And then it becomes largely plot driven. And those are pretty interesting to read a lot of times. But a cool thing is, is if you're telling an independent story with characters who for all you know, 
could die in the next few issues or disappear forever. And it could happen because they're not licensed. The fans aren't going to write in and demand that you resurrect this character because they don't know the character yet. Um, all they've got is what you've told them so far. Start to love those characters. They can really start to enjoy them. But they also get a sense that those characters will not be with them forever. And there is for that reason, a heightened sense of gravitas to the, the right in this in the storytelling. And that's where I think independent comics really shine. Um, I love, um, Brian Kavon does this better than anybody, in my opinion. When he tells a story, I know that he knows where he's going and he will get there and he will stop. And for that reason, his narratives are so much punchier I know that I'm gearing up for something that has serious weight in terms of a style. Right. And um, he's not going to, he's not going to, he hasn't yet, bow to the pressure of the fans to do Why the Last Man again? You know, I mean, that story is done. You can stick a fork in it. <laughs> it was sad. It was powerful. It was memorable. And it's done. And that, in my mind, makes a story powerful all by itself and that's where independent comics i think are really uh where they can even edge out their uh their mainstream um counterparts i mean wolverine's gonna die again one day but then yeah. he'll come back yep. <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh I can't like what uh, I mentioned, but just the fact that you can have that final point in a comic where the narrative is going to have some uh, some sort of theming that works on all levels and will actually come to a head at the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is, and as a creator myself, I, um, I, what am I trying to say? I want, I want to reserve that right for myself. Um, Kalos is my first book. I will be the only one who ever writes it. Right. Because I know how it ends. The thought of someone else writing it and ending it their way makes my skin crawl. It is unacceptable to me. <laughs> Roland didn't tell you about the spinoff that he and I were doing? <laughs> right, yeah. It's called Lakehess. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's... Uh, and the reason is because there are things that I want to say to the audience um if i still have one by then we'll see um and even if it's my wife and my sister it's all good because they're gonna know where i was going with this what i'm trying to say and i will say it i will drop the mic and i will leave the building <laughs> and no one else gets that privilege if they want it i will encourage them to go and, and start their own book write their own comment yeah <laughs> So, I mean, can you imagine what that would be like for, and you know what, I love mainstream comics, but yeah. like a guy like Dan Slott, who had such a great distinguished run on Spider-Man, he had his final issue, but even was he able to say exactly what he wanted to say before Nick Spencer took over and started doing whatever he with it, in which case mm -hmm. it just feels like some power that got lost somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do like the... <laughs> You get the really weird moments where if you have writers like Warren Ellis who approaches Marvel and says, I'm going to do a graphic novel of this team, and you can't say no because I'm Warren Ellis. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 
is is the is the fact that uh, independents are so small that I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's there's not as much to lose if if uh, you piss everybody off. I mean, um, I mean, if Marvel, I mean, they've got they've got stakeholders and 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 all these people and the whole universe, their whole their whole universe. That if someone they they can't they can't do the crazy thing. They can do a wow or emotional or, I mean, the movies spoiler no. can kill Tony Stark, um, but that's because that has to happen because Robert Downey Jr. and all of them are they they actually age, um, but is th- th- there's that everything you said, Brent, is it, it's freeing. It's freeing for because you are writing this story and you do with your characters as you want uh and you know i uh, uh, maybe i've maybe i will upset you or maybe i will bring it to the conclusion that you as the reader as the consumer really wanted uh there is a great freedom and in, in being smaller agile well let's say almost kind of um from an editorial viewpoint it's almost kind of the opposite where as an indie we can't afford to piss off like our thousand readers, but Marvel they can hem- they can hemorrhage a thousand and they're still making yeah. bank. Um, but that means that we have to pursue. Yeah, but well, they set a record last year, but um, we have to pursue quality more so than other publishers. That's true. So yeah. um, uh, we can piss them off in a way that they still feel rewarded at the end of the book. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 If, if you need to kill off your your main character, then. And sell it. You can. You <laughs> yeah. can do whatever you want. Like, like, like. Uh, what's the guy from uh, uh, Game of Thrones when they? Uh, you think that if the uh, if it was no, that was it was popular then. When it no, that was the first. That was the first book. So I guess he wasn't as Star, popular. But uh, you would think, yeah, Ned Stark. You think he would have if if he had, was into the third or fourth book and and it was all the HBO things and, and he was super popular and stuff you think he would have been okay with uh killing killing them off like they did i mean it was strong and it was great mm-hmm. yeah but do you think that could have or would he have gone to, or like if you kill harry potter off in the third book or the fourth book right, right. <laughs> i guess you wouldn't call it harry potter but i guess yeah you well it also comes down to like the, <laughs> the story you're telling like um when an indie or when like we pick up a title it's Kalis by brent larson it's not Kalos owned by Silverline. Yeah, uh, yeah. But when you look at, uh, like, when Wolverine died, Wolverine is owned by Marvel. So even though that writer has their run on X Men and they're like, okay, for this two years, this is my story, kill off Wolverine, uh, pour away through the first year, he doesn't touch the comics for another two years. It's still Marvel's comics. So next year, they're like, okay, we want to do something else with this. So we hire on a new writer. The new writer is like, okay, I want to tell my story on X Men, but I need Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, when he yeah. comes back, he comes yeah. walking in the room, and where, where were you? Oh, I just left. I just came yeah. back. I was in the multiverse. It's fine. We have right. 600 yeah, of these Earths. No, that was that was the clone Wolverine. That wasn't that was, not the real one. That's what happened with uh, Jean Grey. Yeah. And Chris Claremont, they, they killed her off. They didn't want to kill her off to begin with, but they kind of, they, they called their bluff on it. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, well, you, I'll tell you what, we're going to kill her off. And the editor went, great, that sounds awesome. Wait, wait, I guess we're going to have to really kill her off now. Years later, he, Chris Claremont got word that they were bringing her back. No, we killed her off. Okay. So, you know, you don't have, 
he had he had the intention of killing her off when he did kill her off. So there wasn't mm-hmm. the intention to bring them back. So yeah, I think that's why that at that point in time still carried that punch. Yeah. Now you yeah. kill Superman off every every couple of years anyway. Twice a twice a year. Yes. <laughs> we needed well, to bring him back with teal kryptonite. Jean Grey, they waited quite a while. Yeah, I think they really intended for her to be dead. Mm-hmm. I remember I was a kid when I when I read, "Holy cow, they're bringing back Jean Grey." Yeah. Funny thing was, this I wasn't around the first time when they killed her. It was a huge <laughs> event, but I didn't mind that they were bringing her back. Oh, this is exciting! Mm-hmm. Yay, I love them. But uh, so, one thing I was going to add was, be- I I feel like independent comics. Um, don't the, we as creators don't have to worry about pissing off our audience by killing characters because frankly um you kind of want them to be mad if you're if someone they love died i mean yeah. i mean sir arthur conan doyle got hate mail for right. killing Sherlock Holmes the first time right. around right um but the cool thing was um that not only was able to bring him back, but he was able to send him off in the sunset. It was all good. Yeah. But the cool thing was he did it in a way that was smart and that honored his fans. And and uh, independent comics aren't really marketed to kids. We're, we're marketed to adults who have adult sensibilities about what makes a good story. And when they're being pandered to and when they can thing is going but they're along for the ride and when they're mad because they already know everything you're about to tell them they know a lot of this stuff so our it's almost like if i i want to tell a story where there's true uh sense of loss and regret and sacrifice but i'm i'm pretty sure my i i will say the fans i don't know if they exist but my fans will be happy because I gave them a good story. I honored mm-hmm. their intelligence by giving them a good story. I think that's all they want. Yeah. Well done. Uh, we've got a question. We can maybe answer this. Um, why? Oh, and let's answer this afterward. And maybe it's not a complex question. And I'm just going to show my comic book ignorance. Why do the big guys or most comic book stories not adhere to chronology because i feel like i feel like and i want you to tell me why i might be wrong you could solve a lot of these problems if we start our story in 1989 and we tell it until they all get old unless they're timeless and die and then we can kill them all they can get old and die whatever end it start it over what what is the thought process behind not doing that and so because most most don't unless i'm mistaken but that's my question and we'll we'll chew on that uh on our break and uh we'll be back see you in a few minutes uh, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to silverlines wednesday i am presented by scott wakefield we are talking about good independent comic books and graphic novels and we sort of defined independent and uh, we know that's kind of a a term that can have a little bit of fluidity to it and when does independence start and stop and uh we we pretty much defined it to um refine it to its simplest terms as creator uh content and then you're not not beholden to uh anyone else i mean did i get that right yeah 
Okay. All right. And we, we've talked about the good and the bad. Uh, we, we lost Brent. We lost C. Michael. They are both exhausted, have to head to bed. So uh, we're down to Tommy, Tim, and uh, uh, AJ. He is uh, penciling. We are looking at Tommy's screen right now. Is that correct? Yes. And Tommy, what are you inking right now? This is the next project I'm working on. It's, uh, and I'm going to say it wrong again. It's Champion. We it's, it, we don't have a title for it yet. It's uh, Champion okay. and Miss Fury. Um, and this is uh, uh, Champion is, is this guy right here. He's a uh, fireman. And uh, I haven't got to the pages of Miss Fury yet, but... Uh, this book is penciled by Peter Clinton, um, call him Pete. He's usually on the Sunday show. You've seen him drawing it uh, on that show, but uh, oh, let's see if I got another page. This is uh, this is page one. There we go. Whoa. So, yeah. So, That's cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. I think it starts off in Chicago and I think somehow or another like most of roland's books they end up in new orleans somehow or another. sure yeah but um you but, know uh, you know he's a superhero yeah. when his chest is the shape of a dorito right <laughs> I, I love it and i I'm, i do i'm geeking out here and i love being part of this because i get to see I'm, for those of you watching and joining us i'm seeing this for the first time and i love it I yeah love it that it's super cool sneak peek and to see an, an untitled comic book in the works. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, yeah they don't like it, but I call it Cham Fury is what I normally call it to <laughs> them. And, and, and Roland, Roland doesn't like it. Cham Fury. Cham Fury. That's right. I think that's what the, come on, everybody. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get on to Roland and we're going to call it Cham Fury. Hashtag Cham Fury. Get it trending. That's right. But yeah, you can see that um now this is a character that i that i inked before he was in uh the first run of demon tales that i inked way back in late 90s i think it was uh that was uh published by uh malibu uh comics and um but the this is uh yeah, there we go c there is a big c champion <laughs> but he's a is a farmer Oh, on his belt. Okay. On cool. his belt. There we go. I wasn't. Yeah. Cool. Big maybe C. that can be. Uh, that can be some of our Silverline swag. We can get a big C belt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we can all wear a big. C. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, Kablam also prints uh, metal, right? <laughs> we do. We do. Actually, I didn't. I didn't show. We got the. Yeah. Here's yeah. the, oh, the yes. from from the Kickstarter. There's the yes. the glossy. Um, the. Uh, exclusive edition that's still available over on the the trump's kickstarter if y'all want to get on over there i think we got two or three days left yep, i'm just er, er, go over there look go look go look look here it is here it is okay i'm putting it back now too much too much awesomeness tommy careful yeah so i want to uh get to our topic here in just a moment but i wanted to let tim uh tell us what uh aj is uh penciling over there because i think his project's cool and i wanted to talk that up a little bit more sure so go ahead so right now, AJ is penciling uh, Wolf Hunter, which is our secret history World War II spy story, uh, following a uh, RAF group captain as uh, he is sort of drawn into the world of counterintelligence. 
that page he's on right now is uh, that group captain kind of in the uh, dark night of the soul as he is in a hospital in London recovering from a pretty grievous uh, injury. And that is coming up sometime. Sometime. At some point, it will be available for your money to go to. (laughs) Please, I need to pay off my student loans. Help. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Send money. <laughs> we uh, the the Silver Line lineup is growing and growing and growing. It's awesome. It is incredible, and uh, which is why you might you might see um, you might ask why are we doing two two books two stories uh, in one project? That's because we want to get these stories out there. We we have to do them uh, two at a time uh, so we can get them in your hands, and they, we won't have these uh, this 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 long list and. It's because we are very much the embodiment of an independent publisher. Mm-hmm. We are very small. Roland does the lion's share work for these Kickstarters to to spread the word, create the goals, do all the updates and all this sort of stuff. And uh, he ha- puts a lot of trust in us, Yahoo's, to be here to to be his advocates and ambassadors to the interweb world and do these shows. Ah, and I don't want to forget. There is a Sunday version of this show, and then there's a Monday night one-on-one as well. So please go like our Facebook uh, page and uh, follow us on Instagram. And Roland even um, has Silverline on LinkedIn. So if that's your uh, that's where you hang out, go uh, check out the content we put there. And he spreads the word, does a great job. And um, but as the small as the small publisher, um, we've got it. We're getting these stories out there, and we want to do a great job. Which I think every Kickstarter campaign and every title. They get a little, a little better, a little better, and uh, we're creating a really cool silver line world. Which I don't want to spoil any, give anything away, but I, I, I think we have a lot of titles that are going to start overlapping to create the silver line world. Am I, am I saying too much there, Tim? Or oh, I'm saying that uh, we already got some alternate and secret history going on. Maybe we get uh, get some time machines going. There we go. <laughs> I think the silver line world is going to keep growing. So thank you all for. Uh, for for helping us create that now, so I we're talking about independent comics and um, graphic novels and uh, what stories we've really enjoyed, and uh, we talk about the definition of what we call independent stories and and the um, the limitations of the indies and then the freedom that comes from them being small and fluid and agile that can tell really cool stories without. Um, without necessarily being beholden to, um, to a committee. And, and I don't say that disparagingly, but it's just, just the nature of the differences. And uh, independent comics, yes, are limited, um, usually by the creator and the, the, the creative team doing just about all the work, the, the promotion, the distribution, all this sort of stuff. And it's a, it's a tough slog, but when those stories can get found out, they can – they're 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 pretty incredible, and they um, they have the potential um, to be a to be a hit and to be unique, not to be a rehash or a regurgitation of another superhero story uh, of the same hero and villain. And I don't mean superhero or supervillain; I mean the same protagonist and antagonist that's just um, redone with a different outfit. Uh, independent comics create unique characters and unique storylines and very often um very gripping problems that aren't uh always a love interest or um you know a, a 
it, it, on the scale of, of huge superhero supervillain problems or um, the smaller day-to-day problems they can be really uh, poignant and really uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, relevant um, mm. problems that can be um, sometimes timeless and sometimes um, stuff that people are dealing with right now so it's a neat it's, 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 it's a neat place to be as an independent. And, uh, of course we all wish as independents, you know, we to hit it big. Um, and, but that's just to get our story out there, to be in front of more faces. So we talked about a few titles and, um, we kind of joked about how often they get, they do, they get, if they get made into a movie, they make it big. Sometimes they stay true to the form and sometimes they just become completely different. Like uh, Tim's. Oh, uh, uh, wanted going from, the yep. post superhero supervillain story to uh, James McAvoy curving bullets, right? <laughs> so, and uh, well, not it wanted. I guess I never saw it, but uh, mixed reviews, and some people enjoyed it. But right, that's fun. Different. Uh, my example was World War Z. Um, the movie was enjoyable. Um, Brent liked it, uh, but not like the book. And Brent Brent is a screenwriter, and he's talked a lot about how the difficulty of taking a comic book or a novel, the written word, and uh, what a what sequential art does, a comic book, and then making it into a movie. And sometimes a straight adaptation works, but very often not. It it has to be changed to fit into a film format. Uh, so so that's a we we've talked about that quite a bit in, in other episodes about the problems turning comic books into films. Um, so uh, the 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 titles we talked about were stuff that the, the reason we like them is it seems like they're there's there's more more meat to it and uh we they've touched they've touched us emotionally uh tim likes you you said you like the little bit of not a lit a little bit but you like the the, the gruesome the violence and, yep. and that doesn't always fit mainstream it's, it's tough for um because the big guys want to have a very a, you know mass market appeal mm-hmm. and um you, you can't put yourself in that violent category or uh, edgy or um, you know a comic book might deal with uh, specifically female issues or or guy stuff you know they you want to have that overarching appeal in the big guys but as an independent you can write to this this audience or or this uh, th- this this individual and that individual hopefully it's more than one reader but <laughs> they're uh, an example uh, of a of a crowd of readers. Um, so that's the beauty and the, the, the good part of independent comics. Um, Tommy, tell us a little about what you create, your own personal creations, and why you like your characters and why uh, they resonate with you. And I, I know in previous episodes, you've, you've said you don't, you don't delve deep into their, their deepest desires and their <laughs> childhoods because you keep it lighthearted. But I know you've 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 created your characters and you put thought into these guys, and what 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 do you love about them? And that makes you mean you wanna... my my own creator, own yeah. stuff? Yeah, Your stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I do more when when I'm not doing you know mainstream type superheroy kind of books like this or the Trump's books or you know when I'm doing work for hire kind of stuff. When I do my own stuff, I it, uh, I do more. Uh, all ages kind of fun cartoony you know animation looking stuff i I try to think of when 
I like to do stuff that I would think that I would see as a cartoon on, you know, your Saturday morning cartoons, which you guys are so, you probably don't remember Saturday morning cartoons like I do. I was raising <laughs> X-Men and Transformers, sir. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, so when I do my own stuff, it's kind of like with the guys back, you see little, it's more of your uh, your manga, anime kind of uh, uh, chimmy, chimmy, is that what they call it? The two head high kind of, chimmy. you know, chibi whatever you know that kind of thing just real cartoony kind of stuff and basically when i, I do books on on uh i bring my friends and stuff into my books because I, I back when i first started doing comics um when i started breaking in i'd go to shows all the time you know doing the marvel and you know all that mainstream stuff and and um uh, my wife, my buddies, I'd bring to the shows with me whenever I'd go and they'd sit behind the, the table and I'm like, you know, I ought to do a book and put them in it. And then, you know, that way they can help me sell the books and all that kind of stuff. So I started doing, you know, uh, caricature versions of all my friends and stuff. And, and that kind of led me into doing the, now Zomboy is not a, it's, it's not about zombies, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it doesn't look like me, but it's a cartoony version of me as like a six-year-old in, in elementary school kind of a thing. I see the likeness. And, I see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got a big old head, I guess that's probably. <laughs> and then and then little Nay here is is my wife. That's a real cartoony version of her. And, and then a, we got our, our puppies and stuff in it. And I just like to do fun. Um, you know, some people, when I do my own creator own stuff, I, I like to try to, you know, I have to like it to do it, but I, I try to make sure that it's something that, uh, you know, because there's a lot, we, we talked about this a little while ago, it's a lot of work doing these comics and stuff. So I do want them to sell. So I kind of try to, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'm a sellout, maybe I'm not, I don't know, but I try to, if I'm going to put all that effort into doing stuff, I'd like, you know, for it to, for other people to get it and like it and think it's fun and all that kind of stuff. So I try to keep it all cartoony and I, and I really like doing books for kids. Um, it, it is kind of creepy that a, that a big, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a six foot, I'm six, six, I'm a big tall guy. And then, you know, I'm at the shows doing these little uh, cartoony uh, books and stuff. And, you know, the moms walk by and they, they go, what's that, that creepy guy. But then when my wife comes and she sits behind the table and she's selling her little Nan Soso book, um, it, uh, they, they, you know, they, they they sell pretty good so i love doing cartoony stuff real i'm a big cartoon person and i get that from watching the cartoons as a kid it's a you know your saturday morning cartoons always love my saturday morning cartoons yeah yeah, yeah and uh you're, you're you're joking about being a sellout wanting to sell i mean unless if you don't want your stuff to sell and you're just writing it to to for yourself or a, a friend, fine. You can be really weird or really obscure and so be it. And maybe just keep the inside jokes so inside no one else gets them. But if yeah. you want it to sell, yeah, you've got to identify, you've got to identify your, your ideal reader and who you're marketing it to. And it has yeah, to be- you're trying to market it. You're, that's, yeah. that's the word that I didn't, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the market that, uh, you know, it's, it, and it's a lot of work putting these yeah. books together, especially when you're doing your, when you're doing a book all by yourself, when you're yeah. writing it, penciling it, lettering it, coloring it, putting it together, 
doing all the stuff. That's a, you know, how many times do, when you're doing your own book, do you look at the, that one page? You've already looked at it about five or six times. You get tired by the time you get to lettering it. And so you gotta, you better, you better like what you, you, you're doing. Um, but, uh, because you're going to sell it and try to sell it and then you got to tell people oh and then you got to take it to all the shows and all that kind of stuff and yep. it's, so a story about, something that, it's a story about yeah exactly over yeah. and over and over again but the the story of zomboy in, in pretty much all of the stories are are basically you know when when the kids are uh when you were a kid and you played you know I'm, i know this is not politically correct now to say but you weren't playing cowboys and indians or cops and robbers and that kind of stuff yeah. so it's an it's it's kind of a calvin and Hobbes kind of that's cool kind yeah. of thing where but instead of you know you know cowboys and indians they're it's superheroes and bad guys and good guys yeah. and they're they're yeah. just in their first graders they're in and i think this is kind of a question you were asking uh, earlier about uh, you know about people aging and stuff you know they're, these they're always going to be in the first grade so they're never going to get out of first grade it's always all the stories they're all six or seven year old uh kids and they're and they're all little cartoony everybody that's in my books are, are my buddies and friends and and stuff even the bad guys and some of my friends get mad that i make them bad guys but i, yeah. I gotta you know i just have to tell them and like you know you somebody's got to be a bad guy Right. You knew that before <laughs> you asked to be in the book. You may be a bad guy. You might be a good guy. I don't know till we get to it. But, it's but yeah, yeah, that's all my kid hero line of stuff from Inferno Studios. I love it. I love it. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with saying uh, as an independent, it's you. It's you doing doing all of it and yep. uh but but you get to maintain the creative control of it, which is which is a great thing brent commented in the last hour about that the feeling that the, of of giving up your characters if you created them if you've been you know you're living you you live the lives of them so much more than people see because you've you've created a little bit of backstory and you're thinking and you've created well what you know you know them how they feel and how they how they react and that might not always make it into the story but there's so much of of them and their world that's in your head well you know i, I kind of cheat up. i uh, you know because we in past in past streams we've talked about how you know what makes your characters do what you do it's like well you know in my books I, I'm just based my characters off of my friends. And so I'm just thinking, well, you know, this is what he does. So I'm going to, when I'm, when I'm writing the voices of them, I'm like, oh, this is him talking. So yeah. I'm trying to make yeah. it sound like, and when they read the books, they go, they, they, you, that's what I say all the time. And I'm like, it's you. Of course, it's what you say. <laughs> I just drew you. You know, I didn't yeah. make up anything. This is you. And you but you, you drew me getting beat up. I'm like, well, yeah. you got beat up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you, you know, oh, I love it. I love it. I had I had one friend that the, I made their character uh, a bad guy, and they and oh, they they got really upset with me. They were like, "Do you really think I'm a bad person?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No." And he goes, "But you made me the bad guy." And I'm like, yeah, "I'm sorry, you're the bad guy." Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> but you you must think I'm a bad person, and I'm like. No, I don't think you're a bad person. You're in the book. You want right. free copies? Let me give you some free copies. I had, I had this conversation yeah. with someone. Like, if I thought you were a bad person, I would kill you off. Like, That's right. pretty recently. But if if I like you, then we'll make you a bad guy because everyone loves a good bad guy. Yeah, right. it's like you know, this oh, is yeah. a secret. We don't want everybody to know, but 
in in the Zomboy books, the main bad guy is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one heard it. No one. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, the, so, yeah. So if anybody sees the the evil Mega Mind in yeah. the Zomboy story, love it. Love it. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody. That's just between us, us we four, right? Right. Yeah. We won't, we won't read the word. Not a word. No. Now you know. <laughs> so, Tommy, you you mentioned I I had asked a question before the break, and I rolled right over it. So my question was, and uh, like your your cartoon stays firmly in that first grade year, and it will never change, and that uh, that that's fine. Uh, the, the Simpsons, I think, is funny. The Simpsons have been on. For forever yeah and they used to do flashbacks like into the 70s when homer and marge were young and then they stopped doing flashbacks for a long time because it just didn't work and then there was a flash forward to i don't know remember the the, the episode where lisa flash forward flashes forward she's marrying a british guy i think it's oh Hugh yeah Grant is the voice and it, i don't know what i don't remember what year it goes to but we passed that year and uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's fine for a cartoon and, and that sort of thing. But my question was, is in the comic book world, and we can use the big guys, um, because as you know, in, in an independent comic, my, my Steam Patriots is going to go chronologically. And that keeps it simple for me. I'm going to go, you know, it's going to follow history in 1781. And, you know, it's going to wrap up in 83. And, um, and, and then it'll be done. Um, so in the the comic book world where they're putting out one a month and they created their world. So huge. Um, they, they have to continually reinvent. Like, and I, I use Iron Man as an example, because Iron Man has been my comic book, you know, 1963 he's in Vietnam and then they have to adjust. Cause you can only, you can only say Tony Stark was hurt in 1963 for so long until you do the math and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Tony Stark, seventy-two years old. You know, they have to mm-hmm. they have to keep reinventing. So, why not make it chronological? Make it fit. Every, you know, every comic book is a, is set in a time. Now, Brent answered this question during a review. He didn't answer it uh, in front of everybody. He made a good point of wanting the comic book to feel timeless. So, if you had a chunk of comic book that took place from 1984 to 1994 that wouldn't feel relevant to somebody later. Yeah. Um, but my thought, my thinking is, is I feel like you could get over a lot of problems of killing characters. How long do you keep them alive? How do you reinvent them? Um, if they lived, if, if time flowed in a normal fashion. Uh, so I don't know if anybody else has thoughts on that. I, I'm kind of thinking well, out loud here because I don't have a reason. Yeah, I've, I've got the, the my and I kind of mentioned it a little bit. My perfect uh, the reason why I keep all the characters that they're always just going to kind of be in the in the first grade is uh, you know in the six or seven and that kind of age is because that works with my universe, yeah. right? So you know this is when they're playing in their imagination. Imagine you know it's it's all in their imagination it's a group imagination and they're all you know together so it's like when they go into the superhero world they're each everybody has their own part but you know it's like once they get a little older i mean how right. you know are you are right. you seeing teenagers playing you know you're like i said i know this is not politically correct but 
playing cowboys and Indians when they're yeah. 16 and 17. No, it's a, so it's a little kid type of story is the, the, the background. Does that make any sense? It's actually yeah. the universe is that time period of, of their life. And then just all the stories are just going to take place, you know, yeah. while they're in the first grade yeah. kind of thing. Cause that works for their, you know, it's when kids usually have that crazy imagination. Mm. So that's, that's, for me, that's the reason why I, I've, they're always going to be at that age. Right. They're not going to get any older, but then it's little, to the little kids and stuff. I'm not going to make them, people are not going to be dying off. Right. So. Yeah. You, you don't have, yeah. Like, I mean, Phineas and Ferb have been living through how many summers? Yeah. And have never, exactly. yeah, uh, yeah. Never well, um, my, my go to thing for all things relatively to is uh, X Men because that's what I've read. By by a long shot, the most of, um, and a lot of the early art was done by Jack Kirby, who was super into big computers and uh, sort of timeless science fiction looking stuff. So mm-hmm. things hopelessly advanced as well as uh, incredibly classic. So uh, there's the joke that comics are stuck in their perpetual state of the far future of 1992. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but. Uh, with X-Men, you kind of get that uh, that idea of really kind of comes to power the most because you have characters like Magneto, who is still just a super yoked... Um, now he's more of an anti-hero, but um, uh, still looks very much in his uh, prime uh, kind of dude, but he still always has right. the baggage of being a survivor of the Holocaust. Yeah. Because right. it's... they And they don't necessarily want to lose that because it's such a defining part of the character. Um, and a lot of what he meant to a lot of people, right? Uh, so they don't necessarily want to kill that. So they kind of just keep it stuck in this time of space that seems like the far, far future of ninety ninety two. Um, <laughs> and, and that you can even look back at how Stan Lee and all those guys um thought about uh comics and the roles that heroes served. I mean, um. Jack Kirby very much got into it to give people a sense of heroism and hope, uh, as well as to get people to actually want to join the war against the Nazis. Um, that's <laughs> he, he he literally fought Nazis with comics, but um, uh, but he wanted to give people that kind of sense of hope and there's a winning shot in everything. And Stanley also thought that every kid, every person needs a hero of some sort, regardless of what age that kid is in. So um, when you have characters that are as classic as Wolverine and Cyclops who fit these archetypes so well, they just reinvent it every time for... So it's this next generation's X-Men, uh, which is going to be feel a little different from the previous generations, but it's still an X-Men for that generation. Right. So... That being said, now, with chronology now, they are doing a lot of introducing new characters to the Marvel universe where they're saying that metahumans age very slow, but now they're like, now that if you look okay. at the mainstream X-Men now, it's all new characters. Do you think that could it also be a money thing? Could also be money. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Yeah, that, I, I'm thinking that's probably more so they go through all of the effort of, uh, of building these characters up. And then all of a sudden you get, uh, um, 
you know, like, uh, like just recently you get the, I mean, it's not recent, but, uh, you know, like a, a Deadpool or whatever, he's fairly new, right? Yeah. Speaking of, you know, in, in, you know, the modern age of comics and stuff, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden you get somebody that becomes super, 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 superhero, super popular. <laughs> You can't just go killing them off. Your they your, your shareholders are going to get all mad. You know, all of a sudden the, the money is is gone from this character that they could have made right. millions off of, and you're going to just kill them off for good. Yeah, Got to milk it. Yeah, yeah, and I I feel like I feel like it, the, the big guys are yeah they're stuck they're stuck yeah. in it. They, they can't they've got so many uh, and and you also you've got so many overlapping like you've got this character that his storyline has been rebooted and if he overlaps with this storyline that was rebooted here how old are they and we, you you can't answer those questions that they have to be mm-hmm. middle age yep. or a teenager and spider-man is yep. always you know a young young but uh yeah you know where so i but i i think that comes back to our discussion of uh indie comics I, you can make that choice yeah and yep. you can make it make sense um, we I, I had this discussion with uh, at a, a writing meeting the other day, uh, a workshop type thing, and we made the made the analogy that with indie comics you can in fact have the hobbits throw the ring in Mount Doom. There can be a definitive ending point. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can be done yeah. and 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 done. Yeah, yeah. I I get it. I get why they they do it. I kind of feel like maybe if. Back in the '60s, um, Marvel had said we're going to we're going to do it chronologically. Everybody's this old, mm-hmm. and the, and year by year, but it it just it got out of control, and you can't you can't just go back and retroactively change it. So yeah, I get it, and I don't think I, I don't think I'm firmly in one camp or the other, but I, I feel like there would be lots of problems that would be solved because um, if you could. That you could bring them back, start them over every few, you know, every decade. I don't know. Um, it would it would clear up confusion, and uh, people wouldn't be frustrated with reboots in the middle of yeah uh, this series or that's you know I I don't know. So, um, anyways, that's that's just one of the one of the big problems that the big guys have to deal with, and uh, us. Uh, at creating our own creator, creator, creator created content, create our own content. We can, we can do what we darn well, please pardon my language <laughs> getting, getting heated. Anybody else before, before we start wrapping up? Uh, I think um, it, go for it. Go for it. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, it's entirely possible just to appreciate everything for what it is. Like if you like, more uh, character-driven stuff. More, you know, there's going to be a definitive theme and point and end to something. If you appreciate, um, maybe something more experimental, you got your indies. Maybe if you just need something that feels a little more safe, or um, you know, if you just need a uh, um, your 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 typical thriller, typical action adventure, or you just want some really fun scenes. Um, Go to your big two, but it's entirely possible. Just uh, like everything from comics, but indies, indies, I feel like you're going to get a lot more of the really exciting moments. Something's going to change stuff up by a lot. 
and you're you're getting creators who are taking chances and those chances might be colossal flops and you can be there you know for for but you can also be there uh hopefully to to watch them grow and um just just look at the 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 visual art of of our comics and you can watch um art the artists and i I use, I'm meaning the visual, the, the, the pencil, the ink, or the colors. You can watch their art change and adapt. You can watch their forms. You can watch our writers and our stories grow from their very infancy. And that is a really, really cool thing to, to, to be a part of. And you can, you can reach out to us. You can, on this show tonight, you can talk to us and ask questions and get our feedback and offer feedback to us. And, uh, um, you know, quite possibly affect affect our storytelling too. It's it's a really neat. You you don't have that level of access. You don't have that level of intimacy uh, with the big guys, and um, it's a cool cool world to be part of and it's fun. Um, I I do these because I love to talk to these guys and I learn something every every time we talk, and I love being part of the Silverline family here, um, seeing what people are creating and seeing the ideas that are bounced around for. Um, picking up titles and, and, uh, having a little bit of a, a teensiest bit of input. So, uh, it's a, re- it's really fun. It's, it's a, it's a cool world to be part of. And, um, and, uh, I, I, I just, I mean, it gets me really excited about stuff that's coming down the line and watching all these stories grow like the one that Tommy's inking right now, what's it called? Champ, 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 champer. <laughs> champ fury. Fury. Champ fury. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what it's called, and Roland is uh, not going to like that. But that's what I'm calling it. The, the work t- title, working title, it's champion, champion and Miss Fury, but they don't have a. Uh, Roland hadn't come up with an official title. Yeah, that we'll we'll work on it. And uh, yep. and and Tim, Tim's story that's coming to life there visually by AJ. I love it. I love it. So I'll yes, start wrapping up. Um, we're we're currently running a crowdfunding campaign on kickstarter if you have backed that thank you very much your your rewards will come soon after the close of the project uh it's three days we've hit our first stretch goal we have uh two more at least two more stretch goals um available so help us hit those spread the word share the campaign and um and uh tell your friends to back it and get in uh be part of the Silverline family and then um we've got titles coming up um, I'll, I'll go cause I'll, I'll start to wrap up. My name is Scott Wakefield and, uh, my title is coming soon. I'm co-creator of steam Patriots. You're going to have some stuff to see next week. Next some week colors possibly. Some colors. I want to see them. Yeah. Colored artwork from, uh, colors from, uh, Dan Hosick <clears> and, uh, my co-creator Rory Boyle, if you're out there, uh, hugs and kisses and love you, dude. He's down in Florida. I'm up in New York. Um, uh, he and long he, distant he relationship story. i don't know well, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough it's tough <laughs> luckily the zoom thing and, works uh, pretty good so, so yeah it, it works it works uh we we stay in touch so uh that that's me and if you want to follow me at steam patriots on instagram did i spell that right yeah uh on instagram and uh facebook uh that will be coming up so let's go to you tommy wrap it up say good night uh, Thomas Floramonte, you spell it F-L-O-R-I-M-O-N-T-E because nobody ever can figure out how to spell it. Uh, you can find me anywhere and everywhere on the internet. Uh, I, I, I'm mostly on, on Facebook, so just look for Thomas Floramonte Jr. Uh, I kind of 
post some of the stuff that I keep working on, all the all the all of the uh, the Trump stuff, and then now the uh, Champion Mystery stuff, and uh, we'll start working on Trump's number two. So go go to the. Uh, I was going to say real quick about the the Kickstarter. Think of Kickstarter as a because it's really confused. I have a lot of my family and stuff gets uh, real confused when I when I send them over there. They're like, "What is this? Uh, what is this? You know, you know, crowdfunding thing." Don't think of it as that. Just go think of it as a store. Just go yeah. over there and buy the book from from Kickstarter. It's, it's I don't a, like when you say that, but just think of it as a store, and you just go over there and buy your book. Uh, know it's going to come to you in a week or so, just it's, like anywhere else. It's a pre-order. Like a, yeah. Say it's it's a pre-order. All your books are already completely done. It's cruelty yeah. free. When you, when you uh, start going in crowdfunding, they go crowdfunding. I don't know. This yep. is confusing. I'll just get the book from you later. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just go ahead. We need <laughs> the analytics. You got to go. Got to go do it now. That's right. But uh, anyway, uh, Thomas Floramonte Jr. You can just look for me everywhere. Um, and also, you can go to Inferno Studios to see some of my Kid Hero stuff that I work on. And um, and um yes that's it <laughs> and perfect yes. and done thank you aj you are penciling down there and tell us where people can find you and where they can follow you and see all your cool artwork yeah sure um so my full name is aj cassetta that's c-a-s-s-e-t-t-a I'm uh, everywhere at Art of AJ Cassetta on Instagram. That's uh, underscore between the words, and I have my own website. And uh, yeah, it's mostly uh, Instagram and my website. So if you want to look at any anything I'm working on, private stuff, commission stuff, anything cool, like this stuff will be going up sometime soon, I guess, uh, whenever we're ready. So yeah, that's uh, and, and apparently you're just hands because I, we don't see anything <laughs> else. You're just you're just magic. I'm gonna here. Let me get off the. He disembodied. He's just disembodied hands that make art. That's uh, that's what he's good at. Yeah, that's yeah. That's all. That's all I need. You know, my hands. <laughs> yeah, there you go. My face. My face ain't doing me any favors. Oh. And Tim TK, why don't you wrap it up before no. we say goodnight? I am Tim TK. I am the writer slash creator of Wolf Hunter. I'm also the associate uh, editor here at Silverline and the uh, producer slash seducer of the Wednesday Night Show. Uh, uh, find me at Tim TK Writer on just about everything. Uh, Tim doesn't TikTok on TikTok and Agro Bacon, where I will be live not tonight but tomorrow night with some Smite. Smite. All right. Cool. Gentlemen, viewers, thank you all. We appreciate you. I say this often we wouldn't be here without you we'd just be talking to ourselves we love <laughs> do that anyway <laughs> we, we love spending time uh yakking about comics we love that you join in and you are part of the silverline family go to kickstarter back our projects the the silverline projects share the url share these videos like subscribe and all the things you know how to do it you know the drill we appreciate you, and we will be back next Wednesday. In the meantime, there's a Sunday night show. There is a Monday night show. Roland Man, the man, the myth, the legend, he does it all. Support, uh, yeah. click likes, and all those. So we love you all, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Make mine, Silverline, and good night. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.